This is Tom from Third Rail Design Lab. And Chris from Deeply Dapper. And you say my voice is creepy? What? I'm sorry, my voice is very tired. That's his fake sexy, he does. And Chris, Chris. do not approach. <clears throat> and Chris from Deeply Dapper. Let me gargle some beer. Release the... Kraken! Let's begin the show by starting it. I just think. That <laughs> hey, Chris, how the hell are you? <laughs> I'm good. What are you laughing about? <laughs> Nothing deep. Oh. <laughs> you know that was my nickname in college. Oh yeah, deep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See. <laughs> so we'll say right out of the gate. Um, this is not going to be our personal best. It's nope. because it's a in-person, in-hotel. End of day one of a con recording. We're eating products while we record, which yeah, is a big no-no. Eating pizza and drinking soda. Yeah, and so... And, yeah. and or It's whiskey. rough. This is guerrilla recording, right? <laughs> yes. This is like the early days of podcasting. <laughs> and Mark Maron was barely like a little bearded baby. <laughs> had never even done a podcast at this point. All he had were seed pods. Seed pods. <laughs> Smoking seed pods and being pissed about it for obvious reasons. <laughs> So, anyway, so uh, as a suck in the monkey segment, I like to report that I'm drinking Coca-Cola. Unadulterated. Me, me also am drinking Coca-Cola with a weirdly light amount of whiskey in it. Mm. I'll get right on that. Apparently we're putting whiskey in our Coca-Cola now. Well, well, I mean, you know, it's science. It's like 11 o'clock at night on a Friday, so it's a good time to start drinking. I know it's different than 11 a.m. on a Friday, which is the usual routine, but... Yeah. So, now we're having Jack and Coke. Yes. Not really, though. We're having Bullet and we're Coke. We're having Bullet and Coke. Right. Um, did you know that the hubbub on the news... Oh, that's plenty. Oh, really? It's never plenty. It's it's the color of the the the, the gin now. It's, <laughs> it's not even gin I'm pouring. It's even worse. Anyway, in the news, if you drink Coke, you will get cancer and die. So when you add uh, grain alcohol to Coke, I think actually it helps. Oh, it improves your chances, or at least it pickles the cancer. <laughs> it pickles the. Don't cancer. you get cancer and die no matter what it is you do nowadays? That's correct. So what we thought we would do is talk a bit about the last couple of shows that we've done, and then lead into the show that we're doing now. Um, would you like to start and talk about? Yes, fan, I did. Fan I've X. done two shows. Oh, talk about. Uh, we did Fan X in Salt Lake City, which was <clears throat> uh weird show mm-hmm. we did well at it it was actually one of our best shows ever um what was weird but well we started out with a dealer's table a couple of dealer tables and we had a artist find out where we were and where they got a hold of the the show floor and they're like hey these guys shouldn't be there they should be in a better booth tell me and, why a dealer's table doesn't make sense well, the doer's tables, honestly, they work for us. We've done them before. But they're always in a weird spot. They're, they're Fan X's version of the crafter table. Um, and, yeah, you need to mix that up. 
Chris, what, the first thing he did before we started recording is he walked up to the thing and kicked my coat cap behind some fixed furniture. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. Said, it, was, it, was, it was in stealth mode on top of the pizza box. It's not my fault, he says. So, yeah, I, need, I needed some assistance. You could, have, um, you could have shaken that a little more gently than that. You know that I have one gear, and it's oh, third no. gear on everything this I do. true. So, okay, so Fanex was weird, and then you had tables that were not optimal, but then a friend yeah. uh, complained to them on your behalf and got you so much complain. They actually offered to pay to get us upgraded. That's nice. Um, and the show was like, oh, Deeply Dapper? No, we'll just, we'll just move, and you don't need to pay. So we ended up in a pretty good spot. We were right behind all the big-name authors like Timothy Zahn and Jonathan Mayberry and all those guys. Timothy Zahn, of Ron fame, yeah, sure. Was he uh, was he in an, uh, an Empire's officer's he uniform? He was indeed wearing a uniform of the Imperial Army of the Imperial Army officers or something like that. I don't know. I don't watch Rebels, so I you son of a bitch. I would like to know if you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior, Clone Wars. <laughs> I, can't you read my no soliciting <laughs> sign? <laughs> no cyber soliciting. Um... <laughs> uh, so it was a good show. Um, almost entirely regulars. Lots of regulars coming by, and especially the first day. And then we did Colorado Springs the weekend before that. And that's a weird one. It was in a mall. Hmm? Like an old Macy's. Like an abandoned mall? Well, the mall was still alive, but it was one of those satellite buildings that used to be like a Sears or a Macy's. Uh, okay. And so it was on two floors. And... Uh, fun... It was a fun show. We did pretty well. Not amazing, but we did pretty well. It just blows me away that those small shows like that have enough business to compare it as a good show for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I think part of it though is that they are small shows, so sometimes you're the you're the best game in town there, kind of thing. So you mm. do a lot better depending on your scale of. What it is you do. Like, we were the only person there with soap and candles and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, in a lot of ways, we killed it because of that. But I saw a lot of art at that show, too. Well, I just... I had trouble imagining that people go to those types of small shows with pocket money. Like... Well, but when you're talking Cheyenne, Wyoming, mm. Colorado Springs, Colorado... Like, yes, Denver is pretty close, but... It's a totally different time of year. So, yeah, I mean, it's like their one option to go do something. It's like, we're doing a show in Rock Springs in October. Rock Springs, Wyoming. And there's nothing there. There's nothing for them to do. But it's also military. It's oil fields. It's mm. people with money. So we could do really well at that show. That's why Cheyenne, Wyoming did so well for us when we did it those few years. Is that the people there don't have anything better to do. So it's... It's entertainment, and we have just enough lowest common denominator product that people will buy it. It doesn't have to be, oh, Purple Glove Batman, I'm looking for a piece for him for my entire I life. I see what you did. <laughs> just remember, I sold that. <laughs> you did sell it. <laughs> well, so those, those yeah. were my shows. They were decent, and it was nice because it's been a rough summer for us. Right. Canceled shows, shows that didn't do well. Uh <clears throat> So it at least helped us start to get caught up. We're still a little behind, but we'll get there eventually here. And then you did Silicon Valley. I bailed on you. You bailed on me. I did. At, much like you bailed on me for Silicon Valley the year before. Correct. <laughs> I mean, come on. Apparently we're doomed to never actually do that show together. But we'll see. 
I mean, the jury's out about that show's existence. Yeah, that's so. So yeah, I tore a shoulder in my back and had to tore a shoulder in my back. Yeah, it's a thing that happens. You have yeah. two of them. Yeah, I have, you have two an option. shoulders. I tore one of them, <laughs> particularly muscle on that one. So well, I had to stay home and recoup. Our biggest concern going in was we had two tables side by side that we had gone through a lot of work to get, but that show had a lot of confusing... There's a lot of logistical problems with that show, <laughs> okay? I want to preface by saying it wasn't like this is a terrible show for me, but if you think about it in terms of behind the scenes, it was terrible. Yeah. So th- there was like, I don't know, four or five different emails, and they all made no sense and con- contradicted each other, but it was pretty clear in the literature that you can't sh- you know can't share tables, can't give them away, right. artist has to be present... All this other stuff. But we're not going to give you more tables if you but want we more won't. tables. Right, right. It was very strange and restrictive. Yeah. Uh, small tables, low display heights, mm-hmm. and, nothing, and nothing on your table, I think. Nothing out behind your <laughs> table. I think there were so many. Nothing, like, you couldn't have anything behind the table. It was just. <laughs> They're like, just the white tablecloth, and that's it. That's all you can sell. Right. And, and the other thing was, based on the way that map was set up, it seemed like. You were always going to have, like, like your back would be against a crowd. Yeah, it was laid out, like, the way the map was set up and the way that we verified that the map yeah. was set up, they were saying that there would be one side of the artist alley facing into each aisle. Right. So the back side that is typically right. facing across from you wasn't going to be there. Right. And we asked, and they confirmed that. Yeah. And they weren't providing pipe. And drape. So it was like, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're just going to be looking at the back of our tables. Yeah. Which is really uncomfortable. So looking at your back at your table is always uncomfortable, Chris. But in this well, particular I case, it was my that. back. So we were a little concerned about how we were going to make this work. Um, I told friends of yours and ours that what had happened to you and everybody was very supportive about maintaining the illusion that you were there. <laughs> um, I had created the tax, uh, all the permits and stuff, uh, and put them in place at the table, um, co-owning uh, Deeply Dapper. By the way, if you do well, bad news. Oh, man. <laughs> and, uh, sign that. and I also, um, and I had printed, you know, I printed some stuff of yours to put on the table to right. make it like you were there. All right. So uh, there were a series of items that uh, I thought I would raise. You have um, a list? Yeah, I have a list. Here's my list. I go up to the microphone like... See? And it's I like, wish uh, that was fake, but that is literally <laughs> your list you're using. But actually, wouldn't that be even better to use like like a, a washboard and some other thing to simulate the sound of crumpling paper? When you could just use a crumpling paper, see? Uh, so the first problem was that load-in was a disaster because everyone there was melting down and having crying fits. Because they did not either state at all or state with... I never saw anything about it. Uh, that there was mandatory union load-in. So it was the old, you can bring no cart, you could bring one box in yourself, or you have to use the union load-in. Such it's a new company, GES, uh, that they had this contract. And so you had to line out the door of artists for Artist Alley, as well as small exhibitors, who wouldn't normally be having to pay for those services, Standing there, being told they've got to pay two hundred and fifty dollars or two hundred bucks per pallet per load. That's ridiculous. I heard stories about people who normally would be carting in 
One guy said they paid six thousand dollars in fees. Are you kidding me? Yeah, because they they were they felt they got caught up in it and said, "Well, well I can make this back and this and that back." And then they found out that they were splitting the load across different pallets, and it was compounding the cost. And so wow. suddenly it was this huge amount. I had my hip was out and my fifth lumbar was out, and I didn't have time to adjust them. And I drove over there and I said, "You know what? <laughs> First of all, you can't fight city hall, especially when it's GES. Yeah. But also." Uh, you know, in the end, it would have. I, I was going to have a bad enough time anyway. Yeah, but even so, then, they tried to put all your stuff on two pallets instead of one, right? They did, and that's the thing that was kind of funny. I appreciated the opportunity to make my weekend a little more bearable <laughs> uh, by not lugging all my heavy stuff. But on the other hand, I couldn't believe when they sat down and or they put out two pallets and started putting stuff on them, and I said. You only need one pallet, and also that's all foam core that you're distributing. Right. So you can't you can't say that that's you can't say that that is necessary. Right? No, it's anyway. absolutely ludicrous. So I don't want to get into the politics and editorialize about the overreach of how uh, union union contracts can become beyond the pale from what their original mandate was. Because well, it just it it really clarifies the difference between other shows like Salt Lake City, where they they go in and negotiate with the union and figure out what's best for the vendors, and they pay the union to not have to do that. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I talked to a number of vendors, and the reason I said I didn't want to editorialize is because um, taking the other side of the of the, of the equation um, in a market where there isn't um, a union labor involved in convention. Uh, operations, we would have a whole other set of problems. Right. So actually, it's all it, it 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 exists for a reason. I think right. that most shows have negotiated reasonable uh, absorption of costs so that the vendors only pay beyond a certain amount. Like we've seen shows where you get one load in free, right? Or shows where if you want to cart your own stuff in, you can, and they're available. Like like this show, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. this show that we're at today, they even have big carts for people to use. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't know that a union has a handle on this particular venue. Yeah, it could be this is all, yeah. um, this could be all um, labor that's associated just with the, and that's was the big idea. could be labor associated <laughs> just with the convention, I don't know. Um, anyway, so the load-in was just sort of exhausting because everyone was so upset. Mm-hmm. I mean, people were in tears saying that they would not... They would lose their shorts at the show because of this people, loss. Two hundred bucks is significant, right. and then it's a huge impact to them. Yeah, some of these shows, like I budgeted so tightly that that would have meant I couldn't check into my hotel mm-hmm. after loading in. That was exactly the problem that people were facing: is they didn't have the petty cash to handle it, and so they were like, "What am I supposed to do?" Yeah. Meanwhile, you were just you reached into sock number two. And sock number two. Well, and the other thing is that uh, you know I think it also sets an emotional tone that's very discouraging. Uh, artists and vendors have enough uh, going against them in getting psyched up and put on your A game, and that's we're talking about vendors like you and I who have a an extroverted component to our personalities and can actually engage with buyers. A lot of artists right. at these shows are introverts and are uncomfortable in social situations or have other things going on, and it's a big deal just to be here. Yeah, they show a, it, not negotiating that with the, the union for that show shows a fundamental lack of respect for how hard it is for those small artists right. to even break even at some of these shows sometimes. Right, and that's why I have some real question marks about the future of that show and yeah. what's going to happen next year, because I think there's going to be so much negative response to that. There has been. I know it's been all over the... 
internet, but I think there's going to be so much of a negative response that if GES carries the contract in the second year, I think there's going to be a boycott of the show or there'll be something substantial. How can, why can't San Jose get their shit together and have a decent show? I, I, I well, but people say that they have good shows at, at Silicon Valley, that they've had good experiences. In the past, yeah. Then again, there was a point where we were looking at it saying, why are they putting artists out in the quad? Right. You know, so. Yeah. <laughs> now, the other thing I was a little frustrated with is that they had a huge showroom, the huge floor for exhibitors. And autographs and all that stuff, and, and then they had an ancillary room. Room, right? They put us in a room, and that I feel is always. I mean, it wasn't as bad as some artists who were actually on a different. They were downstairs or something, which I think right. is worse. But when you're in a room as an annex to the main space, you're relying on people specifically saying, "I want to find Artist Alley," and the people who aren't specifically looking for the alley, which frankly is most of our business, mm-hmm. right? They're never going to go into that one that has the hand sign that says, <laughs> right. go this way for Artist Alley, right? You, we, you, we just miss all that. But I definitely saw that. Mm-hmm. It was uh, a ghost town, particularly on Friday. Um, and a lot of the artists I talked to were very discouraged mm-hmm. to be in that room. Yeah. Um, another thing that was not super great was there were no, there was very little signage out mm-hmm. and there were no announcements. There was no, mm-hmm. like, the show's about to start, get yourself ready, the VIPs are coming out. Let's have a great show, like you sometimes would right. hear. Um, it was just there was no there was no communication with with the vendors whatsoever. Hmm. Just all of a sudden, people were there. And no then they team were chant. No we, nothing. We say silicon, you say valley. <laughs> not, not even. And then they would charge <laughs> you for that. Um, uh, and then another thing that was a little tra- problematic was that um, on Friday or Saturday, I can't remember which one, they started to lose power. So, you, granted, it was another one of my infamous hot, you know, like heat wave cons. But yeah, uh, like every time I bail on a con, it's like 103 degrees and it's terrible. I, sack was 111. <laughs> and uh, I feel like there's a corollary. But, uh, well, it was interesting. You heard the genera- you heard the AC turn off, mm-hmm. and then it, then they started having the brownouts. The oh, lights were man. coming. So, sections of lighting were coming off. <laughs> then eventually all the lights came off, and the crowd would go, oh, yay! You know, and then part of the lights lighting came on, and everyone was like, "Well, great, I guess." And I'm thinking, "No, that's the generator. Yeah, that's bad news." So it took a while, and they finally got the the, the power restored. But I was a little bit concerned when mm-hmm. a major facility like that loses power. That's not a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing was so I spread out across the two tables and try to make it representative of theoretically, like you were going to show up, but I didn't know where you were until. I stopped to say that. Um, <laughs> the people directly... So I had Meg across from me, which was great, because we could just know, give knowing looks to each other the whole that time. That's awesome. As one does. <laughs> but to the side of me was um, a, uh, a couple that uh, the woman uh, drew, you know, like video game characters, and they had a some... Uh, console system that the kids use today. So it looked like a, there was like a little TV. Mm. They had paid for power, and they had a TV, some sort of TV, and then they had some me. Switch maybe or whatever. I don't know what those. <clears throat> what it was a Switch or a Twitch? It was an Atari or something. No, no. And it, so there was some Tom lingo. Yeah, there was some fighting game that they had, and their whole gimmick was if you play against one of us and you win, you can have one have anything in that booth free. And the thing was, That's there are awful. well. The problem is, so it's loud. Mm-hmm. The line of people waiting to play stretched in front of my booth, and the uh, and there was they were ringers. 
No, so uh-huh. he was a professional gamer. He was one of these guys that goes to competitions, and that game is his game of choice. That's trash. And she's and she's his girlfriend and plays with them all the time. Uh-huh. So they acted all like, whoa, you could... You know, and then they would just decimate people. But the thing was, people showed up with their own controllers and all this other stuff, so... It's like a whole little subculture I'd never seen Weird. before. Now, there was a guy between us. That guy was there for the first day and then abandoned. I don't he abandoned him. because it was a slow show. Mm-hmm. And he had like a, he was sort of like an artist, artist. Like he had fine, fine line illustrations of creatures, mythological creatures and things. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a little bit of that sort of vibe about him. Like yeah. out of art school and was like, I want this to be good, but I'm not going to waste my time. Right. And there loudness and the, and their booth being pushing against him a little bit the way they had set it up and the line crossing in front of him right he had enough and so he basically left the show because of them he said it's not worth my time I'm gonna go wow. do some other thing I'm going to Dragon Con or something next or whatever it is and I'm gonna go right that so then the next day they were like well why did he leave and I didn't want to say I don't know. because so you guys are douchebags yeah I didn't want to say anything I just well but again it was not really my business it was between them <laughs> so then they expanded out and used his space for themselves which Jeez. was fine what am I going to I mean I'm using two right and the infamous no two tables at Silicon Valley like, oh my god so that's fine so they didn't really I don't think that they really caused me particularly um, a problem with sales it was a little bit distracting but it was fine I didn't have any problems with them my former neighbor had a lot of problems with them. And he should have talked to the show head and been like, yeah. look, this is... I do agree that I don't think that is an environment that should be no. an artist alley. That's an environment you put in a booth somewhere else, mm-hmm. but not in the alley. Ten, yeah. And you can keep that line contained. Do it all you want. Right. And your neighbors are still going to hate you, Yeah, but... That was definitely didn't seem like it was appropriate for the alley. Yeah. Um, uh, also, there's no road names. Mm-hmm. So no one could find anything. People, I saw so many people just wandering around stupefied. Really? And I would tell them, based on who I knew at the show, mm-hmm. looking at the map, where to go. That's ludicrous. Um, so that means I couldn't even, as a vendor, I couldn't look at the map and tell them where they were. Right, there's no signage. Right, and... right, right, right. Um, one ups- so one upside, though, was someone came up and said, um, uh, he's heard a lot about Robot Kraken. Oh, nice. From friends who listened to the podcast and told him to listen. Right on. It wasn't that I was pitching Robot Kraken and he told me that. I told him who I was. He was looking at the stuff and he says, hey, do you do Robot Kraken? I said, yeah. Nice. He said, I've heard about that. So that's cool. Well, hello, person that's heard person, about that. You, it's sort of recursive. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, eventually we'll just keep re-looping this experience to the point where there's like that person's 11 degrees in <laughs> having heard about Robot Kraken but never actually being on the show. Right, right. Um, another thing was, while WonderCon in L.A. in March was my first... Uh, table with Posthuman, my role-playing game app. Right. It was just the the game and the two source books. At Silicon Valley, I had more of it, so I had a, a, a more of a feature display about it, and I, w- I had a little bit more uh, momentum mm-hmm. at that show, and I sold several copies of it. That's awesome. So, we're still talking very small numbers compared to anything. I mean, just hearing the numbers that you're pushing on your with your Kickstarters is substantial. For your for your game, but just in terms of a very expensive small press role playing game and source book set, I couldn't believe that I. I mean, that was my objective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If the print business justifies you being there because of the profit margin on it, what I'm trying to do is get the word out. It's marketing for the game. Right. Which and is I'm kind trying of to like 
life's goal to a certain extent well, as sure. far as this type of thing is concerned. Yeah, I've been working on this forever and ever, yeah. and you, you're the one who helped me uh, focus that into this particular product, uh, going back to its roots, which was really great. And so it, this was an occasion where, because I wanted the, 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 the person-to-person marketing of it is the important part, right? It makes a big difference on yeah. a game like that. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm using all of this these early shows where I have it as the dry run of understanding how to refine educating people about a, a game right. system and getting them engaged. Getting because spiel figured out. Yeah, because eventually, yeah. you know, I may want to go to a gaming con and I want to, and now I'm surrounded by game sellers. And so right. I really need to be, whatever. Yeah. So I was really excited. I sold a number of the game, which was great. Uh, it was also where I discovered there was some quality control on some of the books. So I had to make <laughs> some adjustments, but I was able to still sell um, sell a number of books. It was Which great. is the curse of self-publishing. Absolutely. If you can't afford an editor, you have to edit yourself. And yep. a lot of the times that's after the fact. <laughs> I will leave you with this, which was the, um, the, the shock and awe part of this show. Uh, and it's not even the part where I came out to the truck and found the back of the truck bashed by probably one of the worker vehicles. What? Yeah, the back of the truck has a big gouge. I don't gouge think you told me about that. That's it's gouging, insane, yep. dude. Which is why I have the bike rack on the truck now, mm. which is inconvenient, but it's a I barrier. I wondered about that. It's a barrier. Well, okay. that was the last time I leave the truck bare in a loading dock. Wow. Because there's, it, you could tell it's a sharp edge, and it's vertical, which means it's either a loader. The edge. Or, or the, yeah. yeah it, you know, something rammed it, or it could be the side of a semi or something. Who knows? Anyway. That's stuff. That's okay. It's a forerunner, but irritating. Yeah. But here's the real deal. So after load in, they load gave you the up. option to take your bins away. Mm. And I said, okay. So I put all the bins on the pallet and they took it away. So then when I said, how do I get my bins back? They said, well, when you're ready for them, you come and tell us and then we'll queue up getting it to you. Oh, that's messed but up. But the area has to be sufficiently clear for us to operate safely, which means you can't have a bunch of people walking around. So oh, suddenly no. I can't get the pallet of my, and I said, can you bring the pallet outside that room and I bring it? No, we got to bring it. We have to bring it contractually to your table. That's ludicrous. So now I'm stuck without the pallet, meaning I don't have the bins to put the prints in. So and by bins, you mean all of the Rubbermaid, the plastic yeah. coats, so you bring all of your stuff in. Right. So I could take stuff apart in the display, but I couldn't. So I went in the morning and I said, I want my bins. And they said, what? I said, well, you asked me to tell you when I, when I need my bins. I need them now. And they're like, well, it's Sunday morning. And I said, well, so basically as soon as you can get them to me, get them to me. Yeah. So uh, maybe, so the show ended at 5, and I think at 6.30 the bins showed up. And you know, with the way we break wow. down, it's not the worst thing in the world because we take our time. Wind. Yeah, but that's But still, it was, uh, it was indicative of a bigger problem, which was mm. they had no structure or logic to the way they did the loadout. Uh, yeah, loadout. How long were you in line waiting to get in? So their whole thing was you once you say once you've gotten your stuff filled and you're ready to go and you have it back on the pallet again, then you go and you fill out another form and then they give you a queue. They put you in the queue to come and then you're supposed to go find somewhere comfortable. They'll call you when they're ready for you. That's such bullshit. And I said, great. Is it first come first served? And one person said yes, and another person I heard say to someone else, no, they got to move everything out of the main space and then they can do other spaces. And by the way, wow. uh, my theory is that most of the Artist Alley people 
um, violated the union rule and, and carted their stuff in any I way. I promise you that. And yeah. did it on the way out. Because like, they were stupefied that I was in Artist Alley. They didn't know where it was. Which means they didn't do a lot of loading for Artist Alley. Right. Well, I know the year before when I did it, I parked in the parking garage directly below it and just used the elevator. Probably. Yeah. Stuff One of the elevators down. were shut down, I think, and then another elevator had a guard on it for a while, mm-hmm. but then they weren't. So, I went out to the truck, got out of the parking garage, came across the street and waited. And I have a lot of work to do. So I was doing some work and I did some, made some phone calls. After two hours, I went and asked the person at the at the curb. And they said, no, nope, they'll call you when they're ready. And they've been, they were calling batches of trucks. Mm-hmm. Small trucks, big big trucks. It's a small loading dock. It yeah, it is small. All right. Uh, two more hours go by. I go back and ask again. <laughs> oh she, she goes, nope, you're not, you're not in the immediate queue. You're going to have to wait for your call. And I said... It's so been I four said, hours. I said, there's a, I have a problem here because it's sort of like a, this, this sort of the Schrodinger's cat problem. I said, I don't know whether I've been forgotten or not because I can't ask whether I've been forgotten. And I'm just told I'm supposed to wait, but I could be waiting forever. Right. So she goes, well, it's, you know, there's still a lot of other people who are waiting to bring their stuff. I said, oh. so I went and sat in the truck again. Con was over at five. It was after 11. When I finally dro- I drove up to her and said, "You need to call them because you know we're, there's only a few more vehicles left. What's going on?" Wow. And she called and said, "They don't have you on the they don't have you on the list." And I said, "I've been in the queue since six thirty. And she says, "Well, you're not on the queue. you're not on the list. You better drive up." She called some supervisor and had me drive up. I drive up and in, and it's not even like the floor was abandoned. It still had tables and all this bric a brac everywhere. Insane. But there are very few vendors other than some of those really big, like, right. Funko Pop-type sellers that are still break that have so much stuff that they have a team breaking right. them down. And they will be shipping out. So they're not... Right. They're that's just loading just, it onto a, a, a fucking semi. Right. Yeah. Right. So while they're, like, wait here and trying to figure out where, what, you know, what, what's... You know, so I went and looked at Artist Alley and there was nothing there. So then I went back and I said, I was in that room. What room? Show them the room. So then we go, I jump on the little vehicle with them, and we drive over to the room and find that in the back corner of Artist Alley, they had shoved my pallet to the far corner of the room, and it got, and it got covered up by tables and things that had been shoved what? into the corner. So it was literally hidden. That's insane. And the room had been cleared by whoever was in charge of that room, so it was like, that room's done. Right. So no one could see it. So suddenly, at 12-something at night, I had six or eight guys... Around the truck, lifting, you know, making a big show of the customer service of putting all the crap in the truck. That's ridiculous, dude. Yeah, so I got home just before 2 a.m. I show that ended at 5. Friggin' killing people at that point. Well, and the only upside to it was I had so much work and things to do that I wasn't wasting my time in the truck. Also, some really good audiobook situations going on. But I have to. I personally have to beg to differ that you weren't wasting your time, but. Well, you know. It That's was insane. It man. was a whole thing. Yeah. And so, anyway, there are a few other things I'll tell you off recording. Chris, dude. So, uh, on the flip side, it was like my second best show. So, well, I don't Until understand. you factor in the amount of time you went in the line and then your your profit per hour goes way down. Oh, extremely. <laughs> and, I, yeah, and I lost big on all of the, the show costs and That's hotel insane. and those things. But just in terms of sales. Yeah. It was my second highest sales. That's cool. And more importantly, it's post-human. Absolutely, Which and I got so many the books. Same thing, like yep. Ed, I've gotten to that point now where I love the soap, I love the candles, I love the the pop art stuff still to an extent, but I really pay attention to what I'm selling 
when it comes to pre-orders on the game or the new pieces that I'm really proud of. That's the important stuff to me. And I think that that's there's a certain amount of perspective. Like obviously, I do this for a living. I yep. have to be able to pay bills. Yep. <laughs> I have to be able to pay rent and buy my dog's pills because he's an old poop that needs <laughs> lots of three hundred fifty dollars in drugs every month. Um, but like hitting those milestones isn't the important part to me. It is paying. It's selling those things that I really want out there that I'm excited about people being excited about. And talking with them about it. Getting excited. Them yeah. getting excited to have that interaction with you about the thing that is a labor of love. Yeah. Which is yeah. totally different than a product that you commodify that is a thing you sell that was you, but it's not like your passion. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We had a customer come by the table today at Rose City, and we're going to be talking about this a little bit later. But he, uh, he came by. He was looking at the stuff, and he's like, Crossworlds. I was like, oh, oh. yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah. And he follows me on Facebook and knows about the skirmish game that I'm working on and is excited about it. He bought Mr. Pale, asked me about the sequel to that that's like literally seven years overdue at this point. <laughs> so, you know, there's a guilt trip attached to it, but it's also really cool to have somebody that read your stuff and liked it enough that wants more. Right. Like, that's the coolest feeling in the world, honestly. Especially when... They have so many choices. Mm-hmm. Not just so many choices at the show, but also yeah. so many choices in the world for their entertainment. Yeah, yeah. For somebody to be like, you know what? I like this guy enough. I'm going to follow him on Facebook and I'm going to watch for the sequel. Well, that's super cool. I mean, something like Mr. Pale, um, or really any of the games, it's, is a good example of this. They can get the stuff on Amazon mm-hmm. or something equivalent to it on Amazon, or they can. Uh, in this particular case, they can pay a fee for the privilege of paying to get it from you in person right. because of the entry fees of the show. Right. So to me, I love to death that there's this customer base that we can have at these shows that want, A, to buy original art or or small press art and small press books from have a direct relationship with mm-hmm. the artist or the creator. And this is this, this cultural experience they have. It's incredibly valuable. And it's something that... As hard as this job is to do full-time the way we do, it's so rewarding when something like that happens. It's so cool. Like, like even the people that just follow me because they like our soap coming by and, like, asking us how the dog is kind of thing. Like, that shows that they like what we do well enough for them to follow, take time out of their valuable schedule and the time that they spend online to see how we're doing kind Uh of thing. Like, that's super cool. And I sent you a message uh, during that show that we definitely need to get some soaps in my garage. Not just because I'm a dirty boy, but (laughs) I specifically had three different groups that came and said, I know already that Chris isn't here because of what happened I Mm -hmm. saw on Instagram, but... Yeah. Do you yeah, have any of his soaps? Right? <laughs> You're like, ooh. Yeah. Because at the, at, at a, in Sa- when we weren't able to go to the Sacramento show, I had, a, yeah, I had you some had soaps from you, and I was able to sell them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we got we to gotta plan for that in the future. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so here we are today. So that was the past. And so today, here we are on day one of, what is this? I'm, I'm day one of three lost. at Rose City Comic Con 2019, Portland, Oregon. As the Mainers call it. <laughs> Oregon. Is this possibly the last time that we recorded together? Was this show last time? 
Uh, no, I think it was actually Walker Stalker that we recorded last time together. Was it? Because it was, uh, well, no. No, you're right. It was. We were at the Airbnb when mm-hmm. we recorded. Yeah, that was the last time we recorded in person with each other. Yeah. When we were testing this microphone, it was playing. Those <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was the last time. So a year ago, basically. Yep. So you and I both drove yep. straight here from yeah, our Yeah, we both boats. left our respective homes on Thursday morning and drove 10 to 12 hours, depending on Ooh. how heavy your foot was. Mm-hmm. I see what you did. I got here a little earlier than anticipated, but the nature of the way this show is set up, you can't get your badges the day you can't you can't uh, load in the, you, the yeah. day before as an artist alley person, and then you also can't get your badge unless you go to this they party. Clearly, did that intentionally, like they pushed this Wacom party to try and keep artists from sneaking in and setting up on Friday. You think that's Our what Thursday. that is? I guarantee that's what it I is. I just figured it was something that was built into the, the sponsorship contract. I mean, yeah, they clearly sponsor the whole thing. Their names are on every yeah. single badge and name thing. and But it's just, it's funny to me that they're like, you know, you can't set up, but you can come to this party and get your badges. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, <laughs> so I just went to a, a bar, a, like a brew pub, and did some stuff, did some work for a little while, and then some friends of mine, Zonks Illustration, so they showed up uh, and invited me to join them at a place called uh, Ground Control. Ground Control. Which is a sort of an adult arcade, but not an adult arcade. <laughs> it's an adult arcade. Yeah, it's it's not an adult arcade. Right, it's, not an adult. A, yes, it's a... Merely adult. It's it's merely an... Ar- I think they call it barcade. I think it's, it's a barcade they use, yeah. That makes sense, it's clever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, two bars in there, two levels. Most of the pinball machines were above. Classic... Uh, Man, I love uh, pinball machines. Yeah, and cabinet games were Man. down below. I uh, did not use my... So it was like seven bucks... Uh, for everything, everything all in, plus the bar, and That's the bar so was good. pouring like five and six dollar beverages. Wow, which is super cheap in this market. Yeah, yeah, especially in Portland. And so I played a number of arcade games and discovered that I either was never as good as I remembered or <laughs> definitely lost it. You know, that's my thing. Like, arcade games, I've gone back to play them, and I'm like, I'm awful at these. I don't know why I love them so much, but I do. I still well, we had love a lot them. more practice. We had a lot less options back mm-hmm. then, and you played them a lot more. And you played the same thing over and over again, and so you got good at it. Like, uh, Especially, like, even on, like, the Nintendo and that kind of thing, like the Ghosts and Ghouls and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That was such a brutally hard game. You played it enough that you could be like, hey, I'm pretty good at these three levels before I die horribly. I went after the various uh, cabinet games that I used to play. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't do, like, Pac-Man and these others that are sort of ubiquitous, but Slightly I went after... before your time? No. <laughs> barely. Honestly, barely, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, I played Joust. Discovered oh, yeah. I forgot how to win at joust. Like I kept trying to joust, and you don't really joust. You have to jump on them. <laughs> anyway, I was like, "What?" And then uh, you know, dig dug and what. That is really odd. I hadn't thought about that, but that's true. You yeah. don't actually joust at joust. Yeah, I looked for. Um, I, I played dig dug. I looked for uh, spy hunter, which they did not have. Ah. Um, and I looked for my favorite, the game that taught me that I loved arcade racing games, which was um, uh, what was that called? Something Rush or whatever it is, Miami Rush or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, yeah. right. And, oh. See, and I'm a slightly younger 
slightly group than yours. So right. mine was always like Gauntlet mm-hmm. and like that era of sure. arcade game. But well, I, I definitely like, I had a birthday party at an arcade and we spent the entire time at Gauntlet. Nice Gauntlet Ooh, Warrior. Was the best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, that was my thing growing up, but, like, I'm not good at them anymore. I'm no. awful at it. <laughs> so I've, like, I've really discovered a love for pinball, which I never liked growing up. I think part of it was I was too short to really get to see it and enjoy it, but yeah. also, like, pinballs are good these days. They're fun. Oh, my gosh. Like, the, the detail and levels in them is just nuts. And I was, uh, we did, uh... So, like, Gaming Con, uh, prior to Colorado Springs in those ones. And it was one of the ones that was awful, that put us in a shitty spot. But they had free play pinball machines there. Yeah. And, man, I was playing a, an Adams Family one, and I loved it. Mm. And they, they sell it for, like, you can get them used, slightly used, for, like, six grand these days. I'd like to point is, out that you used air quotes, and that's Yes, forbidden. yes. Well, for you, maybe. <laughs> Unless you use three. Three quotes. Three quotes. Ooh, I never thought about that until now. Oh. What is that? Is that fair quotes? I was going to say flare quotes. Flare quotes? Uh, well, okay. Are yeah. they Blair quotes? No. <laughs> this is more, this is larger, this is bigger than Blair. This is. So, uh, the thing is, when I was at this place, Ground Control, I didn't play any pinball. I looked at them, hmm. I enjoyed looking at them, but I didn't, I wasn't in the headspace to want to spend some time. I was kind of flittering around playing each one like once and moving on. No, that makes sense. Pinball is some time, and especially you, if you, you know how to, to play You need to learn pinball. how the, the different things work, yeah. definitely. But I've loaded pinball games on my on my iPhone and iPad, and I've played them for, like, on huge chunks of travel. not even the same thing, either. No, yeah, but, and, like, but the, yeah. the graphics make it look so good that you're yeah. like, well, I'll do this for a while. There's a certain artistry that goes into designing those boards that's oh, really yeah. impressive. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. Um, I've read, uh, like, an article on Medium or something talked about the nuance about how to make it successful and how you can make a really terrible one too. Oh yeah, I've played some of those. Yeah, yeah. it's easy to do it wrong, right? Yeah. But uh, anyway, so that was that night, and so That's then you, cool. the, you, we came back. We met at the hotel almost the exact same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, and then hit the ground this morning to do load in, and so we first thought it was going to be a disaster for load in here because the paperwork just says load ins on Friday. It doesn't oh, specify that the vendor is loaded in Thursday and only Artist Alley is Friday. Which is pretty light when you think about it. Especially yeah. as close to set up and open as some of those artists show up because they just show up with just their yeah. their one rolling bag. Yeah. And they're just like, boop, boop, boop. Well, we had people in our area that showed up after launch. Yeah. They just came yeah. when they That's how they roll. I mean, yeah. I think they knew that Fridays are traditionally soft at Rose City. And they were soft. But, but I, it is a big pet peeve of mine. I don't like artists who show up late. I don't like artists who leave early. Mm-hmm. I don't like artists who give up on shows and just abort. I agree. And I don't like artists who decide that it's um, it's not working out, and so then they're too cool for it. So now they're not engaging with customers, mm-hmm. and they're uh, congregating and laughing and carrying on and being obnoxious like it's it's high school again or something. Yeah, it shows There's a, a lot of a social dynamics. Amount I don't like. of like disrespect for what it is you're doing. Yes. Yeah, and and my opinion is you paid the money to get there. You paid the money for the table. You spent the time getting set up, and you already planned on being here as if it was a good show. Yeah, if it even if it's a bad show, you still put in the energy, right, and the time. Well, but I think a lot of it has. I think there's some some hubris and some mm-hmm. arrogance for some, but also I think some of it is a defense mechanism for the despair. Yeah, no, that's I true. That, I think that they they collapse. I think some of those people just kind of collapse under that, and they're like. Can't deal. I'm out. 
And I get that. Like, I've done some bad shows, and it is hard to keep the morale going. And especially when you know that, like, okay, you went into this show expecting a certain amount of money and what you're going to do with that. And all of a sudden, you're like, shit, I'm not even covering costs here. Yeah. Like, I'm losing money to be sitting here. It's hard. It is hard. It is. It's really difficult. But you also have to think about the fact that if you leave... You hurt that entire row of artists. And that's the thing I think that bothers me is that the artists who don't take it seriously and are disrespectful, they're, it's selfish. Right. Whether they leave early or whether they stop, just stop talking to customers, Mm -hmm. they affect everyone around them. I agree. And you and I both are the type of vendors who want to help out our neighbors, not discourage their success, let alone do things that will make it bad for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I so, can't. I, yeah, that's frustrating. Like, like in Salt Lake City, when they moved us, they didn't fill those tables. They just left them empty, the ones that we were moving from. And I, we went over to this, this space and we're like, hey, just so you guys know, I don't think they filled this space. We are not going to be here. They've moved us to a different space. Talk to them and fill this in because I didn't want to leave it yeah. just a dead space on their aisle. And that's a really weird dynamic because if they just went and filled it themselves, someone could come along and ding them. But right. if they go and ask them and they say, no, you can't fill it, so now what does yeah. that mean? Yeah, like so there's some shows that we've done where we're like, hey, this dude's not here. Can we fill this table so it's not an empty table? And they're like, oh, well, yes, but it'll be an extra $300. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> <Railroad Baron. laughs> it's like, seriously, dude, like you've paid for that table already. Nobody's using it. Let somebody be there because an empty table is a fucking black spot. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Absolutely terrible. So at this show, you had a one six foot table. Oh, I had one. I still six have table. one six foot table, and it's awful. Well, it's hard. <laughs> we have we both of us have a lot of stuff. And load in was like they hadn't turned the heat the the the, the AC, AC on. Right, it was hot, and it wow. was humid. It was hot. Um, it had rained the night before, and so, like, everything was just, like, clammy. Yes. Like, every artist I'd meet, I'd be like, hey, and I'm a hugger, and most of the art- artists are huggers in yes. general. Yes. And so it would be clammy t-shirt against clammy t-shirt <laughs> yeah. over and over again. That's why you're like, making fun of every time I put the tape on my shirt, uh-huh. uh, as is my want. Um, hey, I do what I want, man. Yeah, and, yeah it's uh, fine. But, yeah, it was definitely, like... Yeah, it was taking yeah. a shirt with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, Portland's not exactly dry in the, the best of times, but in any in any was. capacity of the term, yeah, yeah, it was it was moist today. It was moist. Well, and 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 so and not to belabor it, but part of the problem going into the show for me was, um, you know, the last several what the last two years or more I've had two years the last two years of the three that I've done the show. Mm-hmm. Prior to this year, I had two tables. Right. And that worked out really well for me. Inner table, corner. Inner table, corner. And that's a system I've done at other shows, too. Right. I've expanded my poster selection. I've expanded my bins to double sets of bins, all so that people have uh, elbow room, so they can go through the bins and, and peruse my stuff in peace. I've got a central area where they can I can have people put their drinks and their stuff to the side so that they can... Right search with two hands I have a display for the book area it's like it works out really well and especially for me the large display behind a double wide double length display nice and tall with lots of art really brings the eyeballs and the corner really brings the eyeballs and the thing is 
with the with that inline plus a corner table I can wrap around. Right. And I ha- it, it works out great. And I bring these tables, like we've talked about before, that are lower, so I can get the bin flipping right. lower, which is better for a lot of my customers. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah. yeah. And so when they announced that they were not going to allow two tables, uh, but then they said it was time to re- re-up, I said, okay, I want, I want the corner. Mm-hmm. And they said, no problem, you can have your corner. What was the number? And I re- read off to them what they told me last time, which was DO5. And they said, okay, you got it, no problem. And then the map comes out, and it turns out the DO5 was the inline. Was the, not the, the first of the two yeah. in numerical yeah. order, and you and, should have asked for six. Yeah, And absolutely no, this is a certainly a, um, no fault of the artist that was given that corner, but they, ra- they basically gave a corner to an artist who doesn't have a lot of there there. Right. She just got that corner, which is great. Yeah. I have a ton of there there, and I'm shoved into an inline. Yeah. It's completely legit uh, based on... The confusion there that they, you know, it's a it's a logistical fuck up between them and me, which I'm not happy about, and I'm also not happy about the fact that I'll never get the corner again. Well, I mean, theoretically, well, you know what I'm because saying because I she was on a corner, just a different corner last year. She was on a front corner. Uh, we know the artist that he's yeah. next to. Yeah, she's and she's awesome. really nice, and I'm, yeah. and I'm and I hope she does well there. The way they end, and, and I actually went and we thought about maybe I'll put the tables in my anyway and I'll make this little zigzag and try to make it work and I went and talked to them and said hey can I can I remove the table and they said artist Al you cannot move the tables can't do anything I was going to tell you somebody else yeah. was complaining about yeah. that too. and so yeah. other shows I get rid of the table and the chairs I put my own table up and it's no problem mm-hmm. here they were like you can't change anything and so on the basis of that having the corner versus the end in the end wouldn't have made much of a difference. No, that's true. I only saw a few people try to put art along the curtain. Mm-hmm. And even then, I'm not sure that it stayed that way. I and they agree. weren't told to remove it. And my, I, I didn't just need the art there. I wanted a table at the yeah, end. Yeah, you wanted an actual I wanted an location. Right. Yeah. So regardless of whether they had given me the wrong table or not, it still wouldn't have been much of a difference for me. Yeah. But I will say... Having now sat through one day with this display, um, I'm excited that I was able to find a way to make all I'm of that impressed. fit six feet. Yeah, neither of us fit in a six-foot space, and yeah. both of us did a lot with the space yes. we have. Yes, and I'm glad it was proof of concept that it can be done. Silicon Valley was supposed to be that proof. Mm-hmm. Here we are. I've got it figured out. All of my extra stock is not in the bins. It's under the table. And right. I've got the bins. i got the books. And then I've got a much more simplified um, display. I do have a concern. I told you I didn't want to put 11 by 17s up along the edges. I think I just want to leave the posters. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think I'm hurt by them not having more variety to see. Um, because I, I see, see a lot of cosplayers that normally would have come over because they would have seen something. I've seen families that didn't stop. Um, they saw the big posters, but then just kind of wandered, their eyes wandered. And I think right. in my normal more expansive setup. I have a even though I have the big posters for the eye catching, I have a lot of variety of different types of things. And so I no, have that's true. I have examples of all of my categories of art on display in mm-hmm. my normal thing. And I think that makes a really big difference. I think so too. Because here I don't have representative giant posters. In fact I don't even have all my posters up right now. Right. Let alone a representation of all the stuff that's with it. No, that's so true. I can tell I'm definitely compromised in terms of bringing people in based on what they can see. And the other thing I'm finding is that uh, they, I, I'm just having trouble getting eyeballs. Yeah. I've got a big display to one side of me. 
and people tend to just pat. It's a display that's right up against the front of the table, so that blocks the view of you. So mm-hmm. people kind of pass around that, and they don't see you. That's a very active display. We got a lot of active uh, fans right. there, so that takes some of the energy in that direction, which is fine. Um, but also, I just I'm I'm seeing at least so far we had a lot of people on a Friday, more people than you a normally see. A lot of see Friday a, badges, though. Yes, like Friday a lot of only. Friday badges, and I have to say. For a lot of people, I got a, I got a fair amount of looky loos going through my stuff, but a lot of them were like, "I'm going to come back," mm-hmm. which is typical for Friday, right? But I'm not as convinced that I'm going to see a lot of them again. I don't think so. Either. I saw it just I, I got that feeling, and I definitely saw that my style. This proved the point that my display style needs some breathing room mm-hmm. because there was nowhere for people to put their stuff to the side. Right. I couldn't... One of the things I found that was very detrimental is I have become accustomed to being able to lean around the edge of the bins mm-hmm. and pull for people or to talk to them about what they're looking at and find right. things for them. And now, my stuff is... I'm behind it. I can't get to it. I can't see what they're looking at. So I'm right. seeing them pull it up and laugh and put it down again. And I don't know what... If I can't engage with them, I don't know what they're even looking at. No, that's true. And all of my back... All of my backstock is now spread around me in this fire hazard, so I'm actually like, I, I barricaded myself into this little, this this little rampart, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I'm doing the best I can with it, but um, it definitely feels compromised. It's it's a challenge when you're using the bins like that. I've, I've run into the same problem where you, they pull out that thing, and if you had the book in front of you, you'd be like, oh yeah, I drew that on a Thursday night yeah. in a, in a rainstorm, sure, kind of thing. Whereas if they're pulling it out. You can't see what they're holding. You have no frame of reference unless they happen to show you. And I've been and asking people, and even then, sometimes I can't engage with them to do it. Yeah, well, and I, and it's weird. Like if somebody's picking up something, and they're like, oh, 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 oh. you're like, what is it? What are you laughing at? Yeah, let me see. Kind of thing. It's weird. It's... I can handle the. I I can I can engage them when they're looking. When they walk up at a distance, I can bring them in. Or if they walk up and they're chuckling to themselves, I can say, what caught your eye? Yeah. That's reasonable. But when they're in, in the bins and you're behind them, it's really awkward to be like... And think of how much business you get from someone pulling a thing and going, oh, that's cool. And then you say, oh, if you like that, you should also see this one and this right. one and this one. And that's how you get them motivated to dig deeper. When they have so many options, especially yeah. on a Friday, mm-hmm. when they're not inclined to be buying. Right. So... But I will say, on the flip side, so I thought I thought my business was very poor mm-hmm. today for a Friday. However, on the flip side, longtime customer came who has been asking me about the role playing game Super for cool years. Guy. Super supportive, and he's bought other things from me every prior year. He had said in some correspondence before the show, he had asked, "Let me know when your game is ready," because um, he he knows a, a game shop and he wanted to show it to them and stuff too. He said, oh, you know, let me know when the game's ready. And I said, oh, yeah, I, I finally have it. He goes, oh, great, I'll get two. And I tried to reinforce him. Well, you know, there's it's a whole set. Just right. you know You've got about. six books at yeah. this point. He showed up and said, I'm ready. I didn't want two sets. I'm like, what? So he bought two full sets. That's amazing. So I sold 12 game books on Friday. That's so great. <laughs> right? Yeah. And so that is gangbusters. And it's, so it makes it my, I mean, it easily makes my best Friday. Yeah, it's also my worst Friday, <laughs> right? Right, right? Because that's an anom- anomalous sale, but right. it was super awesome that it happened, and I just loved to death that he really sight unseen. It's not like he spent a lot of time flipping through it yeah. and deciding. He knew he wanted it, and he came and bought the entire yeah, he's followed set. Just enough of you online to know that it's something he's interested in, and he's talked yeah. to me for years about yeah. the creator-owned stuff as well. And 
He's encouraging. He's he's encouraged it and wanted to see it being completed. But that he got the whole set it was astounding. Feeling, man. And like, then he got awesome. a second set to give to the game the game shop buddy of his that owns the game shop that's or works at the cool. game shop. Yeah. So, uh, just on that alone, I was like, my job was done. Right yeah, yeah. So, yeah, totally. Like, I was that's, so stoked. <laughs> it's rad having those those certain fans that support your work that oh hardcore. Yeah. Well, because I've been looking at this, it's like, like when am I ever going to sell someone all six of my books? Right. It felt very much like I'm giving them options that they can flip through and just pick one. Yeah, so what you have going is you've got the source book, yeah. which has kind of the core game and all the mechanics and everything. Yes. Then you have five <laughs> source books that are all characters. Yep. You've got art, they've got their, their character design. And so from a role-playing standpoint, it's a double-edged sword. You've got... This is amazing. There's all these characters. There's this wealth of a world to choose from. But on the other hand, someone looks at that and they're like, F- five giant source books? That's a lot of ground to cover. And so it's, it's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. It is absolutely overwhelming. And also, if you look at other systems, you would have, uh, you know, you would have a... You would have expansion packs that were about subject matter and maybe right. modules or maybe... You know, the Powers Guide or whatever. Adventures. Yeah. yeah. This is five volumes of the same thing, just right. more of it. Right. And if you like that and you like them, it's great that there's so much. But it can also be kind of overwhelming, like, well, it's very samey samey. There's yeah. five books yeah. of characters. And that's why I'm like, you know, I have no problem if someone picks and says, based on either the content, because the books are broken out by mm-hmm. types of characters, but, you know. As a game master, the idea of having five novels of, or volumes of characters that you could pull from for adventures it'd be amazing yeah. I would love that like yeah. like that's one of the detriments that a lot of the D&D stuff has is that they have awful selections of NPCs and things yeah. and I think that it's definitely a selling point but it has to be the right person for it has it. to be the right person and so I try to figure out when I'm talking to people I talk about the mechanics mm-hmm. and talk about how the game works and how then this the backgrounds of the characters are interwoven back with each other, but also back into the timeline in the rulebook. Right. How that's like secret history in the origins. It's of greater detail than it's in the rulebook and so forth. But in that first uh, spiel, I can kind of figure out whether are they more the gamer mm-hmm. that wants to know more about the rulebook or are they interested in the art? And then I can talk to them more about the character design and the world building and the nature of why the source books exist. And then I talk more about the sausage making. That yeah. I've been working on the designs forever. It's a labor of love and all this. And so they kind of there are markets for each of those they're independent of each other. Like like honestly, like I would say a solid fifty, maybe even more, fifty percent of people that buy RPG stuff never played that game. They read it, right. they collect it, they pour over it, they let it influence other stuff that they're doing, right. but they don't necessarily play that game. Like right. I personally like I know uh, Al, my buddy Alan over at Gallant Knight. He's I've got at least four of his games that I've never played, but I've sat and read them regularly, and I browse through them. I think I like reading that kind of stuff. Like I just sit and read your source books, and I I don't know that I'll ever get a chance to sit and play the game, but it's cool to have. Like especially with yours, where you've got that the depth of the world all integrated into those five volumes of characters. It's cool. It's like reading 
a history of the Marvel Universe right. in the post-human universe. Well, cool. and just as the some of the some of the backbone of the game mechanics is inspired by the old Marvel game. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, it really is. I mean, yeah, there's no, uh, yeah, there's totally. no question. It is. It, yeah. That is house rules that have evolved way past, but it's inspired by those same mechanics. Right. The concept of having a million characters to use goes back to Marvel making the handbooks, which mm-hmm. always inspired me yeah. to make and characters with... Yeah, the DNA is clear there. Right. You have the character drawing and you have the background for them. That mm-hmm. goes back to the Marvel handbooks. And DC later doing who's who, but basically it was right. the Marvel handbooks. But then Marvel took the handbooks and adapted them to the game right. and put stats on the handbooks. Right. So I had both the physical handbooks and then the game version of the handbooks, which were hole punched, then you could put them in binders. Right. So to me, the idea that there would be an infinite supply of, ga- of characters to be used in the games made total sense to me. Yeah. Because yeah. in a Supers world, unlike almost every other genre, in a Supers world, you can have an infinite number of Supers. Right. And if you go the direction of you just want a lot of interesting new encounters you got plenty of material oh yeah if you go the direction of things like Kingdom Come or The Boys or these kinds of stories where mm-hmm. supers are plentiful and dangerous now you've got a lot of targets right but either way there's no there's no, there's an N plus one to me about supers characters that's not there with say sci-fi characters mm-hmm. or oh, spy characters or fantasy characters yeah. I don't know that I as a buyer would be interested in Five volumes of D and D characters by character class. I agree. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. I just. It, however, I would be more interested in multiple volumes of Monster Manual. Mm-hmm. Which so is very certain, true. There's certain I don't know. There's certain things going on there. So anyway, it's 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 been fun to talk to people and and try to get them motivated. And um, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll it's see just how it goes. neat seeing it in person, seeing it come to life, and seeing those six volumes sitting there. That's impressive. Like that's. That's a tremendous amount of work that you <laughs> to pull off in in the middle of having a full time job and seven kids and sixteen guinea pigs and twelve bikes. twelve cats and yeah yeah like it just blows me away like just your commute time alone to your job living in where you do in California. Like, it would be enough to tax my ability to get anything accomplished. So. I honestly wouldn't have been able to get these things fin- finalized and done if I hadn't had so much of this international work over the last four years. Yeah. That put me on a plane for 18-hour legs, you know, 30, 30 yeah. hours of travel, and then lots of hotel time. And I didn't go out and party or go to restaurants or go see the sites. I stayed in my hotel. And, yeah, you're and right. I wrote and I produced and I produced and I produced. Yeah, your and happy so, ending was working on the book. That's gross. <laughs> well, and so, yeah, I mean, it, and I told a couple people this and I've talked to you a little bit about it. It's so weird. How, I mean, I've spent 20 years on this project. I've spent 10 good years of actual production time because right. the original volume of the so the first source book I produced was in 2008, and yeah. then I had been working on it for 10 years before that, right? Yeah, oh yeah. I remember so, you posting yeah. your, your prelim figures in the, the art groups back when they were yeah. email lists. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and so then to think that I generated so much of this over the previous, say, eight years... And then in the last couple of years, it was just, I needed to get that last 10% in. Right. You recall, I've been saying that last 10% for a while. That's the hard part right there, man. Oh, That's right. That's the hardest 10%. <laughs> I, I'm at that point with three other projects, and I just cannot get that 10% done. So I, I have a weird existential crisis right now, which is, we've, we've joked about how back when I was doing the Affinity comic, or I was just talking about doing this as, as a comic project... Mm-hmm. 
how it would be done in 2032. Right. And, you know, the, the the ongoing joke that we'd be all sitting around with our teeth in a jar. Right. Laughing about at, at the, at the at, yay, congratulations yeah. party. We're all in wheelchairs. <laughs> well, it is a surreal thing to have the major thing that you've been pushing yourself on for so long actually done. Yeah, that's awesome. And done, done. Like, it's done. Like, I have some expansion books I'm working on, mm-hmm. or I plan to do, but I don't have an immediate need to do it. Yeah. And it's, and it, and that burn for these last two years especially and especially the last six months mm-hmm. was so strong that some part of my brain was like I feel like when I was editing or I was going through the editorial proofreading process or whatever I thought man soon I can go back and just draw some fan art again or I can do some <laughs> other thing right. and you know what I have not picked up a pencil since I finished the books because I'm waiting yeah. I'm waiting for my body to get over the shock Right. I guess tomorrow I will start, and there it will be the go. first time I've been drawing things for that weren't my homework. Right. But it is fucking weird, man. At home, the people fall asleep. I'm like, I could watch a show. I started watch. <laughs> I'm starting to watch the shows on my queue. Yeah. You know, I could play a video game if you want. I've been reading books that are printed on paper. <laughs> it is unreal, dude. So yeah, I'm excited about it. It's awesome. So day one done. Yep. Um, not super great in terms not of sales. Great. No, one of my worst Fridays here certainly. I I think we did about half as much as we did last year. Looking at the numbers, wow. so that's unfortunate. But with the exception of my windfall sale, mm-hmm. it would be one of my worst Fridays ever. Yeah, yeah. I'm shocked at how poorly we did. So hopefully that comes around. We'll see. So we're not going to record tomorrow night during yep. day two, yeah, which we is the first big day. Dinner with one of our buddies. Yep. And then we'll we'll have Sunday, which is the last day, which is sometimes the day that people buy more stuff, and sometimes yeah. it's not. Um, and then we have to take all that stuff down and put it in the vehicles, and then we're going to come back and we're going to do a post-con bookend to this, and so we'll, we'll see. we'll be equally tired in but we will the have next ver- segment. But we'll have Verve. Yes. And and hopefully a lot of good news about how the show was gangbusters after. And both of us have long drives the next morning. Oh my word, oh my good word. Although we're only going to Yahats, I guess. Because uh, we're doing, going along the coast and we're staying in Yahats for a few days and then we're doing Sacramento. Yahats? Is yeah. that a real place? Yeah, it's in Oregon. Yeah. You know what always cracks me up in Northern California is Wairika. Wairika. Nice. Because it looks like Eureka, but it's not. It's Wairika. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. I remember that as a kid seeing it. Wairika. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, bizarre. I don't like it that much, though. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, so day one's in the can, and uh, day three is the next thing we'll be talking about, and we'll be celebrating because it will have been so sweet. Woo! <laughs> Let's go to bed. All right. <laughs> yeah, right. You got to make some oils, some yeah, beard oils. to skip that tonight. <laughs> but this is where the controversy of this story gets even more controversial. Chris. What? It's the end of the con. Oh, are we recording? We are. <laughs> I thought we were still testing. We're not testing. <laughs> we're testing our ability to continue our podcast oh, with okay. Verve. So it's the end of the show. Yeah. End of Rose City. <clears throat> Sunny night. We've we've done our loadout. We've had our pizza. Some of us are still having pizza. I'm still having pizza. I'm a slow eater. And we're here to do the post-mortem. It so is dead and gone. When we last left off... Mm-hmm. Mere seconds ago, for our dear listeners, <laughs> we had a, a, a slow and slightly dubious day one, and we're hoping that we were going to rally on day two and three and see what happened. How was your day two and your day three? Day two was solid, but not amazing. We did almost to the dollar what we did the year before. Interesting. Yeah. That's right. It was actually $1 off what you did it before, was. if I recall. Yeah. 
we were one dollar off from what we did the year before. So, Everything's in decline. Red <laughs> <laughs> alert. Uh, I think I did it slightly better than you did. <laughs> but enough about me. So, <laughs> well, okay. And then, uh, and then, so, so you were you came out pretty strong on Saturday night, and then, uh, and so after after the day, so it was an interesting day because it was still hot, still pretty warm outside. It was warm. Yeah. Construction continued to play um, the ease by which attendees could come and go to the place, but. You know, it was fine. Which I feel like is an eternal thing at that convention center. But there was a lot of people on Mm -hmm. Saturday. Like, it was packed. It was. And um, that didn't always, at least for me, translate into uh, eyeballs. But it was a lot of people, whereas a lot of shows we've been to where there were some question marks about other factors. Yeah. Weather and traffic and other competing events, whatever. You just see the dead halls. Yeah, and you've sent me true. some horror photos from yeah. certain cons where it looks like they haven't started setting up. Yeah, the there's show not yet. even halls. Yeah, yeah. Right. but um, so then after, so then we went and uh, at the end of the day, that was a long day. It was a nine hours. It was such a long day. It was a nine out nine hours, and for you and me, it's, it was nine hours on our feet. Yeah, right. yeah, because we don't sit. Nope. And then uh, so then we went and saw some friends. Mm-hmm. Had some. Had uh, some. We went to three hip locations. Three of them. Mm-hmm. One of them had beers and CBD sodas. And a band. And a band, which led us to <laughs> the second place, which was... Uh, May have driven us there. Yeah, Portland Public House, which I thought was a really cool place. It was interesting. Um, I like the concept that it's a non-profit, that's, but it's like a nice, like a cool place to eat and mm-hmm. have have a beer or whatever, and that all the profits are going to one of the charities that you define. Yeah, you get to pick which charity it goes to out of a list up on the wall. We both picked the cycling charity. I picked the publishing one. How the dare independent you? independent publishers. How dare you? Because I want to encourage Children need bikes. They need to ride. Bikes need lanes. Literacy is more important than health. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. That's, that's been born out over the centuries. Literate people know it's important to be healthy. Healthy people <laughs> like sports. <laughs> Fair. I will say that my uh, my Reuben, which I had, I was really looking forward to because it sounded zesty on the menu with like a weird bacon sauerkraut. Not like it's uh, a historically accurate Reuben by any stretch, but it looked good. But then it came really dry. It was, was a little disappointing yeah. on the average. Yeah. I also tried as a grand experiment the worst thing on the menu drink wise. I found a product that was <laughs> described as beer mixed with grapefruit juice. And I thought, we'll give that a try. It'll be a disaster, but at least it'll be interesting. Yes. You know how I feel yes. about that. Go big or go home, Chris. <laughs> and uh, it was too sweet for me, but it was nowhere near as offensive as I thought it, it would be. It was surprisingly decent. Yeah. Yeah. So thereafter, we are mixing our beer with juice. Yeah. Yeah, I have juice in this beer, probably. You don't. You're lying what, for the what pot. What beer is this? This you is the... trump <clears throat> yourself up for the pot. Hell or high water melon. 21st Amendment Brewery Wheat Beer. Hmm. See, it's brewed with watermelons. See, I told you. Yes, but the only reason I I like this and bring this to you from the great state of California is that they don't... It's not heavy on the watermelon. They just... It's It's not. It's It's nice. Yeah. I don't like flavored beers. I like flavored beers. you know this about me. But I also enjoy a refreshing beer. Yeah, but you're the the one who... Every time we're doing a a drink check, you're you're drinking a blueberry and scotch mellow beer. Oh, it's like a blueberry yeah. scotch mellow stout. Stout, yes. Ooh, marshmallow in a stout would be pretty pretty acceptable on my book. It wouldn't be bad. And if like my son were there, stout. he'd just be shoving the marshmallows into the can. <laughs> but boy, oh boy, I felt bad because, I mean, I like talking to those friends in particular. Mm-hmm. 
um, and the last time we were here, we were at their house at all at all un- ungodly yeah, hours. Yeah, we were out until well after 2, I think, if I yeah, remember that's right. right. It was 2 a.m. and we gave up and mm-hmm. came home. This time, I could barely hang on through the end of the dinner, and I felt like a, I felt I was, like a lump. I was afraid yeah. that I was... I was uh, manifesting negative energy, but I was actually just kind of like trying not to fall asleep. Yeah, like 10 p.m. hit, and I just crashed. I was dying. We went to the third place, and uh, and there just was nowhere to sit or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. It was another cool arcade. What is it, Barcade? Barcade, yeah. Yeah, it was a cool little place, but it, it seems to have the population accessibility of about 23 people. Like, it's very small and limited seating. It was just... Hard to justify. Yeah, so we use that as the opportunity to, to say our goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Came home and I was asleep before you had gotten your clothes Dude, off. Dude, you were yeah, you were asleep before I'd even started thinking about taking my clothes off. Which was odd because afterwards you took your clothes off and then ate a banana, and those are things that generally don't happen. <laughs> you know I'd, I'm right. I'd like to point out that I only partially took my clothes off, then ate a banana, then finished. And based on your wife and what she stepped in this this morning, you only partially ate the banana. Well, well, I don't eat the peel like most savages, uh, but I did leave it on the floor. <laughs> I left it on the floor. I had a roommate in college who would eat. He would make a bowl of cereal in the middle of the night because he, you know, he'd wake up, mm-hmm. make a bowl of cereal, sit on the couch, eat the bowl of cereal, put it on the floor, and then go to bed. And then you'd <laughs> oh, get up in the morning and put your foot in a mm. milky bowl. That's gross. Yeah, feet in the milky bowl. Yeah, that's a subreddit, I'm sure. Room temperature milk. Ugh. So then we headed out this morning, Sunday morning, for our last day, full of verve and vigor, and looked out the window and it was pouring. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like light rain. I mean, it was coming. Yeah, down. it wasn't Seattle rain. It was it was pouring out. That was a little bit alarming, not only for what it would mean for the population coming into the place, all those cosplayers who mm-hmm. don't want to get wet and everything, but also. I was thinking more about what's going to happen at loadout. Yeah, luckily that wasn't too big of an issue. We got so lucky. Yeah. By the yeah. time we got our vehicles loaded and headed out of the place, it started raining. Yeah. Right then. Yeah. I mean, it was, we were doing the <clears throat> going back and forth a couple of times. I was getting droplets on my early warning system, which is mm-hmm. my entire head. <laughs> um, but it was only once we got in the vehicles to take off that it started coming down. Yeah, it was perfect timing yeah. as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Loadout was smooth. It really was. Yeah, like both of us packed up in a relatively reasonable. I mean, it's it's only eight thirty now. The show ended at five, and we've eaten and come back to the hotel and everything. So that's pretty impressive for us. Like I could be unloading still at some shows. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, the, the fact remains. <clears throat> after my last experience that, that we talked about earlier, I mean, just just about anything uh, could be better than that. Yeah, yeah um, legit. But holy moly. This was easy. It was just in and out. And yeah. uh, that's one thing I love about this show is they've got this vendor parking that you can buy a pass. It's a little overpriced, but it's right across the street from the loading dock, and you can literally just roll your crap across the road to the car. And they don't block you from going in yeah, and all that totally stuff that cool other places have done. There's they no even, union bullshit. They actually, uh, they actually will even loan you big carts if you have yeah, to a cart. Yeah, like they're just like, here, we got these carts. Whoever gets them gets to use them. The chumps without 1,000-pound capacity. <laughs> yeah, Costco, baby. Uh, $90. Do you remember I bought mine on the way to the show to Sacramento? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right. I had to find the Costco that had one in stock and just picked it up on the way. It's strapped it to the back of the truck. Easily the most effective $100 I've spent on uh, con supply. Yeah. Followed closely by those incredible displays that are still the one season displays that are still hanging in there. Mm, yeah, 
Yeah, shockingly. Uh, what I also love about them is that you can convert them into carts. Yes. Which is super important. It totally changes your load capacity it in a really different does. way. I'll show you a load capacity. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and also the other thing is uh, they, they've ran out of space in that parking lot. Like, yeah. you got us the last two. Right. They just say that to all the vendors. They no, they, no they, they got, we got the last two, but look at that line of people that went to the parking garage. And yeah. And then they're in that long line just to do the, get a spot at the loading dock. Yeah. Screw that. Uh, to me, it's, yeah. That's <laughs> the then, one thing I love the most about this venue. A certain amount of laziness involved with that too, where they're like, oh, I don't want to take it across the street. I'll just sit in a line and wait to load out and stuff. And it's like, come on, man. The You've been out that is, 20 minutes ago. But that, but that, system mm-hmm. doesn't work if you're a single person which is true right like yeah. when I've done single shows and I've been able and I've been able to walk it out mm-hmm. fine but if I had to do if I had to leave the stuff and then go get the vehicle and wait in line then I have to leave all my stuff for such a long time yeah that's just kind of a risk yeah it know? is I mean I think that most convention people are pretty honest and you don't have to worry too much but yeah I mean I'm sure stuff has gone walkabout on some people's piles that they've left there. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, <clears throat> Tom had a bunch of books in the back of his car, and I <clears throat> took a load out to my car. His car was sitting open. I went over, and I took those six boxes and put them in my car. Nobody batted an eye. Yeah, this was the plan. The door was open. They're your Yeah, books. yeah, this was a plan transfer here. them This over. wasn't some practical joke or but the something. Point, but the point <laughs> is that no one even questioned the fact that you were transferring yeah. from one unattended vehicle to yours. Yeah, and I had quite a few people go past and everything. So it's 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 a very trusting thing that if there was some ass in there that was taking advantage of it, they could they could get away with some some stuff. Unfortunately, I'll show you some ass in there. Wait until I finish my pizza. One guy, <laughs> one guy who uh, was going by me with a cart dropped. It was an overloaded cart, and he wasn't managing the stack. And then he dropped a box of goods on his way. And then I saw some hired dudes managing a U-Haul and they backed out pretty quickly and they started to drive forward to get in that line. Oh, no. And I went and got the box. <laughs> right? Because... And then I saw him come up to me with that look on his face like he thought there was a problem. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I was getting it. You know, here it is. And he's like, oh, thank you so much because then he saw that the U-Haul was coming by. And right. That's the thing you have to worry about at these shows. Yeah. As Silicon Valley also showed me. Mm-hmm. It's something happening to your stuff. Not someone stealing something. And people not paying attention and running into it with a forklift or something exactly. like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Did you do any uh, good trades or anything at the show? We did. We did some swaps, actually. Um, I don't have any of them listed, but I'll post them on my Instagram. But we traded for a print from one person. I traded for a print and an enamel pin from another person. We bought a print or two for the kitchen. I I did a little more shopping than I probably should have, considering we weren't making <laughs> making gangbusters money. But you know. oh yeah, I traded for a, a ceramic bowl in the shape of a half brain. That's all. It's it's super cool. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where we ended up putting those. A tote, I hope. <laughs> oh, they're in the canvas box. Never mind. I didn't do any intentional trading, but what happened was two things. One. Uh, our friend uh, Robot of the Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went He's over awesome. and I was talking to him, and and uh, he was. We were. I was just commenting on how great his stuff is looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in full color, and everything looks fantastic. And then he gave me a bunch of his stickers to give to the kids, which oh, was nice. really awesome. Uh, and then I went back and gave him my my personal personal favorite of the new batch was the 
uh, crypto historical Tony Stark, oh, right? Yeah. With yeah. the Ferris autonomic behind him, and I just love that piece so much. Yeah. Um, so at least two people love it. I do, and he does. Because <laughs> I give it to him. Um, but uh, and then also uh, uh, those friends that I met at the last show that I told you about, uh, Jess and Patrick Riley. Mm-hmm. They do work as Zonks. Zong straws or Zong illustrations. Zong straws. Yeah. Right. So they have they have, they have a book and she also does art, you know, individual art, and then she also did some uh, these small little uh, uh, you know crafted tchotchkes, These really cute, cute little fruit based tchotchkes. Hmm. Um, so they're super cool. They're the ones that I hung out with on uh, Thursday night before you got there. Oh yeah. That arcade. Um, anyway, so uh, uh, Patrick came over and uh, um, uh, bought. He wanted to buy the wrong robot book. And it's like, oh, I got some cash this, so here, I want to buy this oh. wrong robot book. And I was like, well... And then uh, I, I said, okay. So I gave him the book, and then I said, but I just really love this piece that, uh, that Jess had drawn, mm-hmm. that she had posted on her gram, that I really loved. Mm-hmm. It was a... Um, uh, well, I'll just show you. Because I said, you make... Tell her, please, to assign a price to it, if you still have it, and then I'll pay that price, so I'll just be giving you your money back. Right. And then I decided to just give him the other wrong robot book as well. <laughs> so I gave him two wrong robot books. Okay. But it's okay. For, so he paid me for it. So then she came over, and then she gave me the print for the price of zero because I had given them the book. So it was an accidental trade that happened. <laughs> I was trying to give them money, and it ended up in a wash. But look at that thing. Oh, that's sweet. So it's a hippo bathing in a pond, and, they, and she's done a full Japanese... A full suit of tattoos. Uh, of tattoos, and the reason I was so excited about it is that she left the breastbone clear. Yeah, which that's is traditional cool. tra- traditional uh, Japanese uh, um, uh, tradition. A, a tradition, because <laughs> uh, you keep that clear, and a lot of times you don't see that. So I was super stoked that's about really it. That's really cool. Yeah, and so. Um, Anyway, so there we are. So she gave it to me, and I'm really excited to frame that. I love that. Isn't that great? Yeah. That'll go right next to that gracious walrus that I drew. That's right. <laughs> <I'm just like laughs> um, I didn't even notice the... Uh, the little frog the with little the banjo. The little frog with the banjo. <laughs> pretty great. So that was, super, that was super cool. I haven't picked up art in a long time. Yeah, that's show, neat. So. so that's an original there. That's pretty great. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, so in the end, how do you think you did? You haven't done your final tally. Right? I haven't done my final tally, but from what we looked at... Fairly soon before closing, we did almost exact, like, less than $100 from what we did last year. Not as bad Which, as, yeah. For, for, given that everyone was saying everything was down some. Well, and it's a weird thing for us because last year we were in a worse spot but a much larger booth. I had two eight-foot corners. Right. And this year I had one six-foot table in line. So we had a much smaller space, but in a much better location. So, well, so that's it. I mean, this is an interesting thing that I kind of want to end with, at least for me, is talking about what was different this show versus last show, and specifically about our experience as vendors mm-hmm. and how it influences it. Because what's interesting about that is I think you did great because mm-hmm. you went down, you say, better, better location, yes, but you went down one table instead of two and made almost the same amount of money as yeah. last year, yeah. which is really impressive it is we were surprisingly low on a few things yeah we'd hoped to do better but the simple fact was was it was a very focused selling we sure. were selling mostly candles some soap and hardly any art and that really affects what you have afterwards obviously so yep. um i think i mean I, it, the, the, I mean the reality is that we knew going in that we were going to be facing some changes and it was right. interesting to see what we would do it wasn't the first time you've had to compress back to a six foot table but you haven't done right. it a lot well and it's 
the con itself is owned by Left Field Media now, which is a totally different group than has run it in past years. They ran it last year, but I think they're still getting their, their stuff together. So interestingly, she told me today that they've been affiliated with Left Media, Left whatever it is, mm-hmm. for three years. Technically, yes. But they announced the purchase three years ago. Ah, I see. So I think they they owned it three years ago because I remember talking to like one of the main guys. He's like, "Oh yeah, we just took this show over." Yeah. Um, like at the end of the show three years ago. Ah, I see. So they. But this have, it took them a while to actually start implementing changes. I think we're starting to feel a little bit of the left field hand yeah. at this show. It feels different. They so the story. That was told to me because I I went back and followed up and said, you know, mm-hmm. what are people saying? Did they let you re? They didn't give you guys stuff to re up, right? Artist Ally does not re up. That's what I thought. It's, and in fact, what she told what she told some other people when I was talking to them was that it's now curated. Interesting. So there's no guarantee that the people who are in the alley are going to stay in the alley. Okay. They are going to be reviewing portfolios. Mm-hmm. But she said, I mean, you take this with a grain of salt. But she said that the reason that they made the change they did. Was that for the last two years they had over three hundred people on the waiting list? Right, and so the issue at hand was bring more people in, give more people a chance. Part of me was initially was skeptical about that, even before, even last year when they announced that, because mm-hmm. I was thinking, well, that's some sort of weird cash grab. Right. But when I thought about it, it isn't. In the sense that they're still getting the same number of tables sold. They are. They're selling the same number of tables just to more people. But there is a. But there is a. Um, there is a. Uh, if you think about it as a, as as growing, growing a relationship, it's mm-hmm. in their interest to have more people there because there's more people that might expand. Or it is in their interest. Yes, I think it hurts the artists yes. because there's that much more competition. I and certainly they felt have that. so much less table area to sure. present themselves. Absolutely. So I think I was the um, I was the poster child for the negative impacts of this, but I knew going in it was going to be that way. And we right. talked about it last time, but it was more negative than I expected it to be. Though. Yeah. I, well, I mean, quite honestly, I thought going through. I mean, throughout this whole thing, I was like, "Holy crap! I'm like seventy percent down." This is yeah. this is space madness. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna come in worse than. Uh, you know, Wizard World sack when I had three tables. <laughs> and, and, do you know what I mean? Like, a, and and you know, made a pittance. And I mean, I I did a lot of thinking about, and I had some theories after the first day, and then the second day, I did like almost no business. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I had you know, got a couple hundred bucks of sales. But yeah, I mean, it was like weirdly slow. I had a lot of looky loos, then walked by, or then they would go through. They were really excited, and then they'd walk away. Yeah, and some people who said they'd come back and that kind of thing, but. But did, but I didn't have the, the the that broken up with actual sales that that I would normally expect, and especially there on my normally best show. Right. Saturday should be the gangbuster show, and when Saturday was the worst Saturday I've ever had, right. I was like, "Well, we're in. <laughs> yeah." What was quite evident um, going in today was that the reducing to a six foot table was killing me. Yeah, it's six foot table. Not being able at this stage, not being able to allow people to spread out, mm-hmm. uh, dividing my space up between the the real estate that the game was taking versus the real estate for the prints, having lower less uh, back display and all large posters, so you don't see. And what I was re- we talked about this in between recordings mm-hmm. on Saturday night that I think one of the problems was I was no something I've always relied on is people walking by and pointing, right. walking by and laughing, walking by and pointing. At a thing in the display, and then I can draw them in. Right. And what they and I didn't have that on Friday Saturday because I only had 
you know, 12 large posters overall in the entire display and no small prints on display. Legit, so even though yeah. it says 500 prints and I have the bins here, mm-hmm. it became quite apparent to me at the end of Saturday that no one really sees me as a print seller. Yeah. Like, they didn't really, as you walk by, you really didn't see any indication that I had all all these interesting things that you might want to see. Right. Because all you had was the big posters. No, that's And then true. this cram table with this little box on it. You can't yeah. even tell until you get yeah. real close to what it is. So what I did this morning was, of course, take a bunch of, as many as I could. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it in the back, but along the front, I put as many, um, sort of a variety of 11 by 17s back up on display. Mm-hmm. And I did get comments, and I did get people that come came over because of things they saw. And okay. in a couple of cases, I think it probably led... I don't know if it led to sales, but it definitely led to much more activity and interaction today than I had yesterday with That's people. good. So it was really interesting to see that difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So in the end, uh, when I started, actually in the last hour, more things started happening too. But even before then, I was looking at it. I was going back through my other records, and I did a lot better than I thought I did. Again, the anomaly is that I had a windfall the first day. Right. If you take the windfall out, then it would be one of... It would be, you know, a low show for me. Right. But if you include it in and you just do it in terms of gross sales, you know, I think it was probably number four. Okay. So that's not bad. I mean, no, I, I was $300 off of last year. Okay. Okay. You were $200 off of last yeah. year. Yeah. We're at different scales of profits. And so, right. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that's interesting. I'd love to make your numbers, but the point is that it, I was a lot less off than I thought I was hmm. when I got to the end. I mean, that's good. And I got, and I got four books out the door, four yeah. rules, sets of rules went out plus some source books like we talked about. Nice. And, nice. uh, like on 11th hour, some a guy came back in the last 40 minutes or so that I had talked to previously. Nice. Um, and he bought the book and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, so in the end, I mean, I, I more than made up, made my costs up and everything, and it was a good case study of what happens when I'm too compressed. Yeah. But what was very yeah. clear to me was that I can't continue. I definitely feel like your your booth, the way it sits right now, it's one of those things where like it's like a a landing strip, and if it's too short, people don't have time to see everything before they hit the end kind of thing. And my neighbors, I mean, bless them, they're, <clears throat> they're, they're, they're really wonderful, and I've been next to them multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a great thing, but their display is forward on the table. You don't see, and it never was a problem before because I always had two tables next to them, and I right. had plenty of real estate. Um, I had people coming back up and saying, I couldn't find you. I was used to this big display, and I didn't see you, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Coming from the direction, coming from the main hall, that main whatever, the open area, uh, you can't see me at all. No, it's like and you then, hit a ramp, right. and they're they're catching air until they're past your booth, right. basically. And then there's something weird about the coming around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had gotten the corner booth that I was supposed to get... Um, I at least would have had that cross traffic, and I think that would have actually really improved things. Because I, I saw, so too. I saw a lot of people that I was supposed to be connecting with walk by in a distance that I couldn't reach them. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of like you know people in costume or you know people that look like my target market that were just out. They just walked right past me. They didn't see me. Mm-hmm. I think the corner would have made a difference, but it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. Right. They said this year, no changing the tables of any kinds. I couldn't right. have my low tables. I couldn't have made the L to use the corner as a right. sorting space or any of that stuff. So, yeah. so anyway, I came to the conclusion that um, it just really wasn't working for me, and I couldn't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that's going to be a challenge. Well, unfortunately, in typical Tom fashion, you'll appreciate this, I went big. <laughs> did you really? I did. 
<laughs> I bought a booth <laughs> with corner placement, with premium placement. Did you really? <laughs> and I took a page out of Tom's rule book and I got advertising. <laughs> oh, shit. Tom. So I said, you know what, dude? If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, if, if I'm gonna do, if I'm gonna have an implosion at a show, let it be that I did it the way I wanted to do yeah, it, and it didn't yeah. work. So, so what you're saying is I should just piggyback off your giant boot. <laughs> I mean, this is unreal, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I talked a lot with Tom this morning. Tom, Thomas Overby, who, who has moved, made the move to the booth, and is such a and, great guy, and 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 is convinced that because I talked to him earlier and he said that he could never go back to the table and he was having yeah. the experience that I was having where he was too crammed in no one right. could get to him no one could see him and it was driving him nuts and he had corners yeah um, so I really became more and more convinced that I wanted to try a variation of his strategy which is the living room right on so we talked a lot about that methodology interesting and so are you thinking about doing a podium out at the front corner where you're like bam right up front and then come right up having, yeah <laughs> no, but you're I, drawn but, right but there. I, and, but I do like what I want to do. I'm still going to have some time to work it out. It's going to be the grand experiment because what I really want to do is push like kind of like he's done. Put tables mm-hmm. to the to the corners right right along the wall edge on the inside face tables wall of graphics on both faces here mm-hmm. a central one or two central items a out central front item. Essential central items in the sensual, essential sensual items. All my stuff are sensual. Have you not seen my display? I'm so confused right now. Centrally located chairs and centrally located (laughs) central items in the out in the front to sort of get your attention, and then I'll be on a podium. Okay, and then uh, dovetailing to some of the things we were just talking about that I was cooking up and we have expanded on is that there's going to be sit-down stations that you can actually... Okay. Um, so they can sit down actually, with Uncle Tom and that's right. he can draw your your character. And... There's a racist comment and then you just stop it. <laughs> I Don't take didn't over from... it that way. <laughs> Begin again, Blake Simmons. <laughs> Said Uncle Tom. <laughs> unreal. <laughs> Sorry, Grandpa Tom. You can't write over the, Grandpa right over the path. Grandpa Tom. Come on over and sit down on Grandpa Tom's lap and he'll draw your character. And that's another thing you're not allowed to do with the cons. You can't have the cosplayers sitting on your knee. It just does not work. There's so anyway, been problems. But but the idea being that I'm going to actually... I was thinking about little um, those little uh, uh, collapsible camping stools. Ah. And so you could have a couple spots and if someone wants to sit down while they yeah. do, a, do the thing as they're filling out their form. Totally. Like right there. Yeah. So anyway, the point is I went I went big. And it I sounds said, like it. But unlike... <laughs> You know, unlike like you know, just taking three tables of linear tables. Well, think about the thing about you know, I, I've done the two tables, but the problem yes. is I have linear real estate, and I have to kind of move back and forth, and it's right. sort of like a spread. And this gives you the freedom to like pop over their shoulder and be like, "Let it let grandpa Tom for you." <laughs> well, so I think it's going to be an exciting. I think it's going to be an exciting challenge. I'm not. I'm willing to accept that it could be. It could completely fail. Mm-hmm. I can do the exact same numbers, but look, if I did the exact same numbers. As I did today or this weekend, right? In that scenario, I won't have lost that much money. Yeah, I mean the reality. No, is, that's legit. I mean, yeah. it. I'm going to take the risk. table and booth at least that way, but maybe. So yeah. anyway, so we're going to no. we're going to see. And I'm also intrigued by um, the advertising. I mean, Tom wasn't sure the appetizing, the appetizing app advertising. Oh, ad- oh, okay. I legitimately didn't understand you that time. <laughs> 
I'm very sleepy. You are. I'm also like picturing in my head Did the you? idea of you sitting in the corner of this booth surrounded your art with somebody on your lap and you're drawn to superhero and you're like, listen to Grandfather Thum as he draws you a story. <laughs> it wasn't just so terribly insensitive to the plight of uh, no consent cosplayers, I would be laughing at you. But once again, you're taking on you're taking on again again Blake Simmons' role as the racist curmudgeon on the podcast. It's not true, he's not. No. Anyway, but I wanted to. I, I was no one can take your place, Blake. Thomas Thomas has no evidence to suggest that his advertising was a. Uh, Garen, I mean, he knows at least one sale was someone came over and said, I saw you in the thing and I wanted okay. to find you. But I was thinking about, and it, it was not cheap, but I was thinking about the fact that my whole thing is I want to get eyeballs away from other people's eyeballs. Right. Or their, their, their offerings. And right. I realized I have an opportunity with this ad to push the game, oh, yeah. the, cre- the, cr- the on-the-spot commission creation stuff, and the prints. I can get it all in one ad yeah. and say, come up to Grandpa Tom's... <laughs> House of hijinks, and you know, it gives it gives people not only people that are looking for me now can find me where I'm going to be instead of the alley yeah. where they would be looking for me before. No, that's true. But also, maybe I can bring in a few people, even if it's just a few. Yeah, why not? They'd be like, "Yeah, I'm looking for third rail thooms, third rail thooms." <laughs> so anyway, so what's interesting about this is the next two shows are uh, I have double tables. So, so are you going to upgrade those to like a twenty by thirty or something like that? Pretty awesome, dude. <laughs> What about you guys? 30 by 30. <laughs> oh, God. Gosh, that would be amazing. Take you through like one of those, uh, one of those uh, panic room obstacle courses to get to your art. God. Talk about being insensitive to the slight Line by bins. Overstimulated folks. Put a little, like, uh, all jet black gloves, a little finger. Yeah, yeah really. Anyway. <laughs> she chose down. <laughs> That's a reference you don't understand because it's from Labyrinth, but... <laughs> I know that reference though because I've heard it before. I thought it was just some obscure nerd shit, but instead it was like it is obscure nerd shit. <laughs> it's obscure eighties nerd shit. So I have well two shows coming up that that's each a surprise Tom two tables two tables two tables. So I'll I'll re I'll decompress and try to kind of incorporate a couple of the things we've been talking about. See what happens that's with my two idea. tables. Yeah. Then go big or go home. <laughs> so, so let's see. Bay Area Comic Con mm-hmm. in San Francisco is going to be in November. The two tables. Then Wizard World Portland is in January. Two tables with you. Hopefully, yep. we're all work together in a in a cluster of awesome. I like uh, And then WonderCon LA. I already had made the plunge to booth. Okay. So now I have a booth to test out. Right. Options and trying to figure out how that will work at WonderCon and then come back to Rose City and do a super booth. Sweet. And I was convinced to upsize the booth. I mean, I hated to do that, but I was convinced to go premium to go corner because I saw, I, I did a little tour. Because there were these boxes and you couldn't uncheck them. Correct. Correct. <laughs> but looking at that, you know, I talked, I talked to Thomas about this as well. Um, my old pal Thomas, who has vision unlike you, Chris. All you can do is say, keep the man down, keep the thumb down. So, but we were talking about the problem that you can get a booth and it's not, and if you get a middle booth, you're limited. All you're getting is two feet of paper. You might as well get get corner, yeah. So if you're going to buy corner, great, except you can be shoved off in the boonies and have nothing to do with it. So you need corner and premium to be as close as possible to the alley. 
But when you look at the cost of those upgrades, it's not that much relative. I've seen shows where it was like those were three hundred dollars plus right. checkboxes. No, that's true. So you know, start to take a chance, see what happens. Okay. What's the worst that could happen? Total financial disaster, <laughs> depression. You're not blood allowed pressure, to go back home. <laughs> blood, 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 blood pressure bursts, and then slipping in the rain, and uh, yeah. And we have to bury you under your five hundred prints. But I'm in a good place. Like I did not do the. I didn't have the disaster con I thought I was having. Uh, I got some good strategy and some good ideas, and then I decided to go big, and I got excited about the potential for that. No, I think it's it's. I would rather fa- I would rather it fail at the really big do it do it the way I want to and really push hard on being uh, on trying new things than just sit there with that one table and think about all the missed opportunity. You've made a choice in typical third row fashion <laughs> that surprised me but shouldn't have. <laughs> so there we are. Well, all right. So uh, That was Rose City. Well, be really interesting is uh, next year's Rose City postmortem. Let's see if it's a trail of tears or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if Tom is completely drunk in that recording, then you know it probably didn't go well. Join us in 365 days <laughs> to see how this turned out. Yeah. We should do a bundle pack. 2019-2020, Legends of the Fall. It's just like flashes between the two, and you're like, hey, I made a choice. And then it's like just you sobbing uncontrollably <laughs> in the dark. Just buy all my things. Yeah, <laughs> I got the little chalkboard on my on my neck, and I'm just like writing crackling sad fire in a trash can. <laughs> that's where you're burning all your prints for warmth. <laughs> wow, that's an interesting idea. Buy this print, or it gets it. You know, all the, all the super fans. You know, like, not Hawkeye. <laughs> like, they like show up. And they're like, um, excuse me, but do you have? Boob window shoe storm, and you're like, yes, I do. And they're like, er, well, I'm not interested. And you're like, fine, rip. <laughs> this seems like <clears throat> somewhat of an antihero. But what, I, I see a variation on this where they're like, you know, the, the haggler. Uh-oh. You know, how much do you want for that that Sue Storm and, and Herbie? Two for a print, yeah. uh, you know, twenty bucks. Well, I think it's, I only have ten, and you go. Which half do you want? Third rail layaway plan. <laughs> Take this. <laughs> Stare at him and just silently tear it in half. Come back next year. Take this half and redeem it for a, a, a shredder. Next year, you just look at him and just drop it. <laughs> oh man! Have some thum fetti. Twenty percent off. I yeah. think it's reasonable. Yeah, yeah really. Like that'll be fifteen dollars. <laughs> oh man, good stuff. Uh well, I guess this is why you went to overbuy for advice instead of me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, when I asked you for what what you what I thought I should do for my table, you said that if I moved the crates around a little bit, I could make room for a sleeping bag underneath it. That's not the direction I wanted to go. That's how we do things, deeply dapper. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, so we're going to come up with the beard saucer. I'm just not interested. But anyway, it's exciting. There's nothing wrong with the, the beard sauce fountain. That's, That's a right. great business plan. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be um, an interesting challenge. I'm looking forward to spending the next year way, way overdoing the planning for that challenge. And then putting and it like together at the last minute. I can't t- I can't tell you, fair listeners, how many texts 
I've gotten poorly translated by Siri of Tom obsessing over the fact that he did not have a corner at this table. <laughs> at this, at this show. Can you blame me though? <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if they just said, you know, yeah, this is how it is. New, new rules, you get shit table X. But instead, they said, here's your corner table. Everything's great. And then they gave it to me and I said, huh? Chris, stop. It's not. Chris, stop. We have a problem. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> they fucked me. Stop. <laughs> I'm not going full bore. Stop. <laughs> this is not real. I'm 100% positive at all times. You know this. All right, that's true. Well, that was a that was our Rose City postmortem and pre-planning session for what could be the Rose Apocalypse, but it also could be a really exciting could show. Could be. In 2020. It could be. Thanks depending, for listening. Depending on what happens between now and then, there may not even be a 2020. So There may not be. This is legit. There's always that chance. All right. Well, on that note. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it as much as uh, Chris and his wife who was trying to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs>